This is the Matt Report, the voice of WordPress entrepreneurship. If you're running a WordPress freelance business selling themes, plugins, or client services, this is the place for you. Learn more at mattreport.com and subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. And now, on to the show. This episode of The Matt Report brought to you by Conductor Plugin. You can learn more about Conductor at ConductorPlugin.com. It's a great, easy way to display content on your WordPress site. So if you want to make a custom homepage or a custom archive page or just a custom landing page that's a curated page of content, whether it be blogs, posts, custom post types, custom post types with fields, you can do all that with Conductor. Learn more at ConductorPlugin.com. Today's guest is Dane Shuda from ghostblogwriters.com. And Dane's going to join us today to talk about what it's like to go from the freelancer to not so much a brick and mortar, hey, I have an office and people are showing up to go to work, but hiring a virtual team, working with uh, outsourcers and freelancers and contractors, and how he found all these folks, right? And how he found the right fit, how sometimes he found the wrong fit, and what that meant for his business, and sort of how he's worked through that, and where he's at as a solopreneur, and where he needs to go to, um, you know, get to the next level, to level up his business. Uh, so we're definitely going to get some some great business advice there, and I hope you learn a lot from that. The other thing is, we're going to get some great insight to how he works with WordPress, right? So so he's not your typical developer designer or building a WordPress business in the sense of digital product, but he interacts with WordPress. WordPress is a very much a tool and a platform that he uses for his business and his clients, but it's not the only thing that he's using. So he might be doing Drupal or Joomla or Blogger. So we're going to talk about the interaction with that, maybe what can be done with WordPress to make it a little bit better. Uh, so I really hope you enjoy that. If you are learning something from all these Matt Report interviews, I'd really appreciate a five-star review over on iTunes because it really helps us climb the, climb the ladder of the very busy business startup technology channel that, that we're all in. So head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like the show. If not, leave, a, leave your own review and, hey, we'll, dr- we'll just try to get better. Uh, we're all over the place uh, on the web, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can go anywhere there and find us. If you want to stay in touch, mattreport.com slash subscribe. That's when I send out emails about our guests, who's, who's coming up, what special events we have planned, other insights that I might not be releasing on the blog. And if you want to upgrade your Matt Report experience, head on over to mattreport.com slash join. Join the pro membership. Uh, not only do you get uh, access to sort of all the back channel stuff that we're doing by a private private forum and, and uh, lessons that are happening behind the scenes that are not publicly available. But we'll do monthly mastermind calls where everybody gets on the Google Hangout and we talk about our business. We talk about what's going on, uh, what challenges, what, uh, what wins have we had. So it's all fun stuff uh, and very, very uh, useful stuff for your WordPress business. MattReport.com slash join. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report. Uh, you know, as always, your host, Matt, and I really should probably change that. Lisa, let's work on that introduction. Right, because it's always me. Maybe it'll be you someday uh, when I'm feeling sick. But uh, happy to be joined by Dane Shuda, founder of GhostBlogWriters.com. Dane, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Uh, our good buddy Brian Castle uh, had the uh, opportunity to introduce you and talk, uh, or interview you and talk to you. Um, and I said, "Man, this guy's using WordPress and blogging. What a perfect fit for this audience." Uh, so we've invited you on today to talk about how you got involved into WordPress, what the business does today, um, and maybe you can give some insight to using WordPress uh, in your business for better or for worse. So tell folks who you are and what you do. All right, my name is Dane Shuda, and uh, the founder and owner of Ghost Blog Writers. And what we do is 
we work with businesses, organizations, individuals to manage their, in most cases, their business blog. And a lot of times they just struggle to maintain the posting frequency that they want. They know they want to have a blog, content marketing, but they don't have the time to do it. So they'll hire us. We'll work with them to figure out uh, what their marketing goals are, who their target customer is, and then we'll have our writer go in and just start blogging for them on a regular basis. So that's the service we provide in a short elevator pitch. <laughs> um, so how do you how do you find these how do you find these types of clients? It it, it almost make it seem like the same uh, challenges that us agencies or freelancers have, like folks that need to be on the web are not on the web because they don't understand how to find things <laughs> on the web over the vast majority of them. So how do you find these types of clients that need this kind of uh, content work? Sure. Well, we I try to practice what we preach. So we tell our clients or uh, prospects that uh, blogging is a way, a long-term way to bring interest to your brand, get new clients. So really the only marketing strategies we have is to uh, is our blog on ghostblogwriters.com. So we write about things that our target clients might be interested in, the questions they're asking, and we research those things, publish them on the blog, uh, try to earn their trust, and then if we've done our homework right on the target market, they're interested in the blogging service. So uh, that's kind of how we find clients. We don't really do any online advertising. Uh, word of mouth. Is uh, is one of the other ways, but blogging is the main one. Um, I actually have one of my notes here is that to ask you specifically about content marketing versus pay-per-click versus SEO versus direct versus social. Um, there are so many channels that we can sort of surf uh, for our clients on nowadays. Um, you know, is is the blogging and search results? coming up in search results still the, the majority of that traffic or do you find yourself um, you know finding content in email marketing or maybe some social stuff uh, maybe slightly a little bit better than the blogs or is it just all blogging uh, we do uh, we focus on blogging we kind of focus on blogging as kind of our main center for creating content but we use that content in email marketing and in social media. So we might create one blog post and from that we might create, I might create 20 different little snippets to share on Twitter or something like that. But uh, the blog is the main thing and um, SEO, net, you know, or organic traffic from search engines is still a big source of traffic uh, for at least our blog and a lot of our clients' blogs. But we always encourage them to build an email newsletter and to uh, build social followings just to kind of diversify their traffic because search is great and uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing to focus on, but you never know. Things can change a little bit over time or a competitor might come up and start overtaking your rankings. So it's always good to build kind of an email list, a social following, and uh, build those other channels of traffic. I'd say probably 8 to 10 maybe even shorter, maybe five years ago, the developer, the freelance developer could probably skate by just developing. The designer could probably skate by just designing. Now with platforms like WordPress, uh, there's some crossover, right? Designers are becoming developers because there's plugins and there's 
snippets mm-hmm. of code available out on the web, and then developers may be dipping their toes into designing because there's all kinds of online education and just years of using Photoshop. You can sort of get in tune to it a little bit more. I would reckon to say that your business is probably the same thing where you ha- have to kind of dip your toes into those different areas. So you can't just probably take on a blog post writing project without talking about, like you just said, SEO and social. How do you manage that when a client asks you for those maybe extra services? Because a lot of folks like to say, well, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do some SEO too and I'll take that on. How do you keep your tunnel vision for lower focus uh, uh, straight ahead for stuff like that? Yeah, so it's it, that's been a challenge. Um, if I'm understanding the question correctly, I, we used to, or I used to, when I was first starting out with this business, I wanted to please every client. So exactly. uh, whatever they asked for, I would give them. And yep. I, I think maybe to a point when you're starting out, you have to do that when you need every client. But now, as it's been going on, I've been trying to narrow the focus specifically to blogging. We've done... For example, uh, we've written guides or white papers in the past, and uh, even from that type of writing, we've tried to kind of narrow the focus, or even we've written website content in the past, and uh, we still might provide a little help or consulting in a few of those areas, but yeah, now we try to focus on blog posts. We try to be the experts on blog posts. Uh, It seems there's enough demand out there for that service specifically, and it's hard to, to, to think that way to kind of narrow your focus, but it seems like people almost, if they if there's someone that wants blog posts, they'll come to us instead of someone that does blog posts, SEO, social media. They, they kind of look for the experts in each little area. Do you, do you remember back when you said no to everything else except for the blog posts and content creation? Uh, were you scared? Do you remember a specific customer or a project that you were working on where you were just frustrated with too many moving pieces at, at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, it was it was just it would get frustrating and I I think um, it would just get to be I, I would try I would be managing too many different moving pieces and I would be frustrated with maybe the level of quality of work that we were providing and I just kind of realized that it for its work had to narrow the focus. It definitely was scary. It's hard to tell a client no that you can't do so. I mean, that still is hard for me, but it's it's become easier each time, and I do try to find uh, kind of people in my network, people that I know. So now if someone asks if we do social media marketing, I can recommend or refer them to somebody. Uh, so that's helped out a little bit, because if you can't do it for them, I think people understand. They don't want you to do something that uh, maybe you don't even want to do, um, but as long as you can maybe help them get in the right direction, it seems to, uh, they'll still stick with you for, in our case, blog posts or whatever it might be. We're going to talk about how you find freelancers and, and how you structure your business to work with other freelancers, but how do you find the right partners so far to be able to hand off clients to, hey, we need content, but can you develop our website? So how do you find other agencies, freelancers to to partner with to hand off clients to or at least get referrals from and vice versa? Sure, it's just, uh, I mean, I started reading blogs kind of in the marketing fields. Uh, that's That was just where my interest started, probably like 2008, 2009, and uh, just started subscribing to blogs and uh, 
just over time, you kind of build your network of blogs you follow, people that provide different services, um, joining different social networks, even Twitter, the people you follow, uh, get to know maybe on Google Plus or LinkedIn. And um, I've joined a few, even here where I'm located, some local groups, young professional type groups. And um, I've referred people to a local company. Just It's just uh, one or two people that do social media services for local businesses. But now they've done social media for a few of our international clients. So you, you just get to know people. Or for me, it's been just getting to know people. Um, uh, as far as uh, those types of things go, just looking in, on, in the internal network to find people. Was there ever a point in time where you were sort of afraid to get to know people or just didn't really see that as something advantageous? And I, I guess I'll preface this by saying uh, I talk to a lot of folks who I recommend build your <clears throat> network, connect with other people, they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just afraid to do it. They don't understand how to do it. Maybe they're not very social to begin with, um, and they're afraid to go to like meetups or word camps, as it's known in the WordPress world. Uh, were you ever, were you ever that person? And when did it click to say, I really have to start talking to other people, not just looking at my Twitter stream all day? Yeah, it's tough, and it, it was tough for me. I would, I would describe myself as on the the bell curve of extrovert, introvert, I would definitely be on the introvert side. And it's not that I'm necessarily scared of going to meet people, but I'm just for me, I'd much rather be at home uh, looking on my computer, but I've kind of pushed myself to go to a few local events, uh, even just talking to a few people, getting to know them, and uh, maybe then following up with email, so maybe having a conversation with them, uh, chit-chat for a little bit, but get their email address, go home, and then maybe start an email conversation, get to know them that way a little bit, or read their website or their blog. Uh, just get to know them and then become more comfortable and then maybe see them at the next young professionals meeting or whatever it might be. Uh, so then you feel like you know them a little bit. Uh, for me... A lot of times I struggle coming up with something to say to someone like in the moment. I like to gather my thoughts, prepare what I have to say, or just have time to think about it. So that's that's helped. Even with clients, I'll if uh, if I talk to them on the phone, I'll I'll make sure to follow up with email and get them to send a few thoughts with email. So I've I've had success doing it that way, but I definitely know. Oh, well, I've met developers that are kind of similar to me, and uh, so I definitely understand that that feeling of maybe not wanting to go out and meet people, but it is one of the best ways to build your network. Uh, they can help you find business. You can help them find business. It's, it's a good thing to have if you're in business for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's transition now to the, the technical challenges of writing blog posts for your clients. I mean, you, you mentioned that you'll get on the phone, you'll talk to them, maybe you'll do some research on their site before you sort of either pitch them or send them an introduction email or something like that. I'd imagine it's sort of that same approach when a toilet company comes to you and says, write some blog posts about me, and you have no idea about toilets, about plumbing. Give us yeah. the, the, the sort of intake or onboarding process that you use for this scenario. Yeah, it's definitely, that's the biggest challenge, and we start out, um, 
we start out, well, I try on our website to ask qualifying questions so that someone that comes to the site, they read it, they can kind of maybe figure out for themselves if maybe it's not a good fit. So I might say we're looking for someone that is looking at blogging as a long-term investment, things like that. So then the people that contact me I know are pretty serious about it. But, yeah, we still get prospects that come in and uh, it'll be uh, toilets or something like that. And so we always ask them to kind of describe their business, uh, their personality a little bit. We get to know them, their business a little bit. And then we always ask about their target client or customer. Those are the two big things. And from there, what we can do, what I can do, or people on the team can do is we'll go out and we'll try to study who that target client or customer is. We'll look at the questions they're asking online. So it might be, uh, I don't know, someone might ask the question, should I install an energy-efficient toilet? Or, or maybe are there, should I, what kind of sink is the best? to install in my new house or something like that. So we'll look for questions and kind of get into the head of the target customer and uh, then we just try to answer those questions with the blog posts in. And we work with the client early on, we'll say, we'll, we might write the article on our own, uh, here's five things you need to know about energy efficient toilets and we'll uh, have them look it over, they might say, yeah, four of those points, right on points, but I want to change this point. So we'll change it, and then we'll kind of remember that information for future posts. We'll just kind of learn from that. And, uh, and on some occasions, it might be we'll do the first post. We might get into the research, and we might just think, you know, this is just too technical for our capabilities. Um, we're not going to be a good fit. And then we'll just we'll have to tell the client that. But most of the time, we can kind of figure out ways to get the information that their target customer is looking for. Well, for the folks that do listen to the show uh, very often, they know that I've asked the question before about how do we sort of get away from the $500 client, and if not get away, how do we educate them to say that the $500 client needs to spend a little bit more with us to build them Facebook or whatever the, whatever it is they're, they're after uh, with their web project. How do you upsell somebody who's just like, boy, it's, uh, I thought I could get a blog post for five bucks. Like, isn't this, isn't this Fiverr.com? I thought that's where I was. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a, a premium content creation agency. How do right. you elevate that person? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, what I found is that there are clients out there more than willing to pay what it costs to uh, get value for their business. So, um, I actually, I used to watch this this TV show, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but they would, I think Barter Kings is what it's called, but they would, they would trade up and do things like this, and one of the things he said, one of the guys on there, is he loves selling people items that will help them make money, and I think that's big, so our sales pitch to get clients to pay what a blog post is worth is to say, this blog post is going to make you money. It will you'll publish one blog post that'll always be on your site for people to find compared to even an advertisement that is only up there as long as you pay for it. So we take the angle of this blog post will help you make money and then it becomes much easier for people to pay. So for a developer of WordPress, I mean without our website, 
we wouldn't be able to get new customers. So spending thousands to have a site designed and developed, that it's that the cost is very easy to justify because the business probably wouldn't exist without it. So that's that's one of the ways we focus on on um, getting past the people that are like, well, it should be five dollars for a post. I mean, now I just tell them we can't provide that because I know there are customers coming in. Maybe early on, you might have to do a little of that to to build up your business a little bit, but later on you can say no because there are definitely people that will pay what it's worth because yeah. they know they're going to get value for it. So. And I'd imagine part of your onboarding or or sales pitch, maybe even pre-sales pitch, is, has to do with retainers and getting folks onto a, onto a contract so that it's not just a one-off blog post, but it's more of uh, an evergreen effect and, and keeping them longer so you have a, a higher lifetime value for your customer. Uh, yep. How do you negotiate that? Is it a minimum uh, buy-in that folks have to be with you? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we've never had a minimum buy-in. I've learned a few hard lessons where uh, I, people might say, I'm interested in seeing a blog post on this topic. In the past, we've done those. Now I almost see that as a kind of a red flag. If someone's asking to see one post, they're not really interested in the long-term relationship. So now I just try to find those little red flags that kind of show maybe they're not interested in uh, weekly posts, which is really, that's kind of our bread and butter is weekly posts. It's a good it's a good area for us to be in. It's a, it works to get traffic. The client is, is comfortable with weekly posts a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, now I just try to, or even when I respond to an inquiry, I'll say our uh, our most common situation is a weekly blog, blog post. Here's the price, and uh, the person might respond, well, I, I wasn't really looking for a weekly post, and then that's that's kind of the red flag, or they were thinking, well, I really wasn't thinking that price. So it's just uh, saying things like that to try to qualify. So a developer might say, like, um, or they might look for someone that wants a website now one time, but maybe they also want help of making adjustments down the road and uh, mm-hmm. updating their site and things like that. So, yeah, we just try to ask qualifying questions now or even put that information on our website to try to filter out kind of the bad leads that might come in. Yeah. So do you have folks that are filling out sort of a, a quick questionnaire and they don't even, before you, before that, once they finish that, if, even if they don't qualify for that, then you probably won't get on the phone and talk to them. Is that sort of the, the, the scenario? They get the questionnaire, then they get the phone call, and then it's go into sort some sort of contract or or mm-hmm. month-to-month pricing, but for every week they get the blog post. Is that how it works? Yep, that's how a lot of it works. I've, I mean, our contact form's pretty straightforward instead of a questionnaire, but just over the years talking with customers, I've tried to answer a lot of the most common sales questions or questions that a press, kind of a prospective customer might ask. I'll, uh, I'll just go ahead and answer those right on the website services page. So then by the time they get to the contact form, they just have to put in their name, website, business name, and then they're ready to go. But uh, So, yeah, we that's kind of how uh, we go about it. They'll contact us. I'll ask them about uh, their business, their customer, and then from there we'll just uh, we'll go into some titles. We'll do a first post, and 
if all that goes well, then we set up a schedule, and then, um, yeah, we just uh, start invoicing them every month is, is usually how it works. That's awesome. Uh, let's let's talk about because we are sort of running out of time. New format, everybody. We're trying to do all this in thirty minutes. <laughs> Good luck to us. Uh, tons of great information. I could talk about that even more. But I, I want um, now. I want to move over to working with freelancers. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. How do you find these freelancers? How do you trust them? Uh, what's the process like for finding folks and, and onboarding them to your own company? Yeah, I've been lucky. I've, there's one page on the on the website that just says, uh, I mean, I did a little keyword research to see what potential freelance writers might be looking for, so it has things like um, hiring freelance writers or something like that, but it's just one page. They come, and I kind of explain the typical situation, part-time kind of side job, earn a few extra hundred dollars a month, uh, writing for one, two, three, maybe four clients, and if they're interested, they'll contact. And I've been lucky; uh, we get a good number of inquiries every month from a lot of different people. And usually, from the first email that they send, I can kind of tell if if they're going to be the right fit. So, if there are a lot of grammatical errors or it's hard to understand their email, something that's fairly important in your industry. Yeah, Red flag, and then I'll say, all right, here, try to write this, or write this first post for this client. And they'll send it, and I'll tell them it's due Tuesday. You know, give them enough detail to write it. Tell them it's due Tuesday. The good writers always seem to deliver it Monday. The ones that maybe are going to present a few red flags in the future deliver it Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. So, um... I just, I mean, you can kind of tell working with whatever it might be. I mean, timeliness is a big one for us, and then just uh, looking at how well they can do the research to find contents for the article. Um, that's kind of how we weed out the writers that fit versus the ones that might fit. So that just seems, going through that process early on seems to help out in the long run. So Are these tests that, uh, that you have with smaller, uh, are these actual tests where they're your, or actual client work that you're sending them or do you have your own sort of testing where you're paying for them to write a blog post that's not going anywhere but it's just a test to see if they can do it? Right now it's it's actually it's just clients so um, if a new client comes in I'll, I'll contact a writer that has expressed interest I'll say here's the situation I usually tell the client we need five to seven days to turn this article, article around um, so I might work with a writer I'll tell them get it to me maybe in three to four days. If uh, they send it back and it's not something we can use or I don't want to send it to the client, there, I might ask another writer to do uh, a rush on that. So I'll say, hey, can you turn this around in one to two days? And then uh, I just, I'll go to a writer then that I know can get it done well instead of, but I try to figure out ahead of time if uh, if a new writer is going to fit, but it doesn't always work out. But it seems to work out, at, or it's worked out pretty well so far. How do you manage the culture or just uh, the distributedness of your business with with these freelancers? Uh, they might be taking on other gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have full time jobs, working after hours. Who knows? How do you manage mm-hmm. all of that to keep them on you know your mission? Yeah, they. Uh, a lot of them have full-time jobs or uh, stay-at-home parents or 
college students that have varying schedules, so um, or they might be full-time freelance writers. They have other writing gigs, which is fine. Um, kind of the way we work is we just create a schedule. We list out titles on the schedule two to three months out, and the writer is just responsible for making sure they can have this, the post done by the delivery dates and then uh, make sure it's scheduled to publish on the publish date. And if a writer ever starts getting behind, it's uh, I'll just at, reach out to them, see what's going on, see if they're able to continue. But uh, we're pretty, I mean, I don't get too involved in uh, the other things they do. Every once in a while they might uh, give me a little feedback on another firm that they work with or uh, something like that. But um, I, I have sent out regular emails in the past, so maybe like a monthly update on here's the update on ghost blog writers and here's what it means for you. Maybe here's a few things to look for in the articles you're writing. So email works pretty well and then I'm usually in contact with them every once in a while through email just to check in individually on how they're doing. That's awesome. So from a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week perspective, you are primarily doing project management and, and, and business development, uh, I'd assume. Yep, that's my main task now is uh, working with all the clients and taking on new clients. It's uh, getting to the point now where I'll probably have to bring on someone to help with that, but uh, that's my main job right now. That's awesome. The business. Well, congratulations by, for having that, that new pressure point that you have to address. <laughs> yeah, I reached, I reached it uh, about a year and a half ago with writing. I was still doing some of the writing myself. That's where the business started, and and uh, it was a, I knew I had to give it up at some point, but it was hard to bring on writers to take over the writing I was doing. But now, a year on, it's uh, it's definitely been the, the right choice. So hopefully that works out next with the next phase. If you were scared then, just wait till this happens, yeah. <laughs> until somebody else is managing the client. Um, and that's a whole new mm -hmm. uh, realm of scariness. <laughs> Let's yep. talk about WordPress real quick, the technicalities of it. What, what are you using to, are you using any plugins or services or are you actually making blog posts on other content management systems that are forbidden to be spoken of on this podcast? Well, we do use other um, CMSs, but I prefer, I'll always ask clients and I try to work with clients that use WordPress. It's what I started using uh, with my first personal blog in 2009, and that was just because the people that, the blogs that I was reading, they used WordPress, and I, I knew they used WordPress. It seemed like they were able to do everything they wanted to do, so that's why I started using it. And, and I've become used to it, but I've used other content management systems, and WordPress, for what we do for blogging, obviously that's what WordPress started out as. It, is the easiest to use, it's the most intuitive, it's easy to explain to the writers. A lot of writers use it, which is good for us because they can upload posts to the clients' websites. Um, so yeah, WordPress is definitely the one we use the most and I, I definitely prefer to use it. As far as plugins, we don't use too many. I try not to use too many plugins. I try to keep it as keep the sites as fast as possible. We do use things like uh, WordPress SEO by Yoast is a very common one and it's it's very useful, simple to use. It's a good guideline for when we're blogging we can add the SEO things. 
Um, for my sites, I use Synthesis Hosting, so they have a few caching plugins that they do, but... Uh, and uh, that was one of, actually, about a year or two ago, one of the main focuses I, w I wanted was for the site to be as fast as possible. So I went with them, and uh, they had a few plugins that seemed to make it real fast. I use uh, Press to back up the content uh, would be another one that I use for my personal sites, and I'll recommend it to clients as well to say this is an easy add-on to do, and it keeps all your information for... Um, you never like to think that you're going to lose all your all your content or anything, but it does seem to happen. So it's always good to, to be prepared and and even to have a developer on your team that can uh, help you. I mean, when that has happened to me in the past, I've reached out immediately to my developer and asked them if they can help, and they usually can. So, but a service like Ballpress can help out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one final question. Is there one technical thing WordPress can do better uh, for content, for content creation, for content publishing, for the display of the content? Is there one thing that you've seen over and over again you say, you know what, I think WordPress could do a better job at this? Well, they just changed a big one. It was, it was in one of the recent updates. I think we're on 3.9 now. Mm -hmm. I think in 3.9, it made it very easy for bloggers to paste blogs directly from Word. You didn't have to click the little Word paste button anymore. You just paste it. That was always the biggest challenge for writers or even the businesses that I worked with. They, People like to copy and paste. They like to do it from emails or whatever it might be. So any functionality that makes pasting and stripping that formatting out or understanding what the formatting meant and then converting that to web format so that it doesn't look all weird on the, the page. Anything around that is good. Um, I, I think, so a lot of times we use the editor role with our clients. So they'll give us the role of editor, and it allows us to schedule, uh, change the author of the post, and, and do everything without being an administrator. And that role is excellent. Um, it might exist, but I wish maybe there was like a, I think it does exist. I, I should have it, but like a notification system, so saying like this week's post is scheduled, just maybe a little ping to me or the client or whoever. It probably, I'm sure that does exist. I would just have to look into it a little bit. But. Yeah, one of our uh, good friends, Garrett Moon, uh, runs a company yeah. called CoSchedule, uh, yep. and that's a great plug-in uh, for, uh, for teams of folks who are scheduling content uh, mm -hmm. across a blog. There probably should be, and I'm sure he's already working on it, probably some kind of agency or enterprise level for folks like you and uh, other mm -hmm. folks who are running agencies that might do this type of thing across multiple sites to make it easier. Um, so if not, I'm going to send that to him and try to get 15% equity uh, yeah. investment uh, for that idea. Uh, Dane, it's been an awesome interview. Uh, so much great stuff uh, involved here with uh, running your business and finding freelancers and the, and the technicalities of all that and everything in between. So thanks a lot for doing the show. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, they can uh, read our blog at ghostblogwriters.com. Uh, the social networks I use most are Twitter. I'm just at Dane Shuda. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Google+, but those are the main ones to find me. Probably Twitter or the website are the ones I frequent the most. That's awesome. And by the way, your site is awesome. 
Uh, I love your site. The design of your site is great. I have to. Well, that as far as having good people in your network, I I always tell people you need a, a developer and a designer on your team that you can count on. But I got lucky. My wife is a website designer, so um, that's definitely helped. She does an excellent job with. Is she for hire? Yep. Okay. She's for hire. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Uh, awesome stuff, Dane. Uh, everybody, ghostblogwriters.com. Check them out, especially if you're a freelancer or an agency and you don't want to deal with the content side of things. Check out ghostblogwriters.com. If you want to stay in tune to what's going on at the Matterport and you want to know when great guests like Dane are showing up to give us their awesome info, matterport.com slash subscribe. And then if you want to be part of a private community of folks who are talking about running their WordPress business, matterport.com slash join. Uh, join the Matterport Pro section and get all the great access to all of this awesome content. Dane, thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.